Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means, and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. I'm Gage Jordan, assistant pastor at First Presbyterian Dyersburg. Good to uh, good to see you, Gage. Uh, uh, glad to be visiting here back for our, our uh, what was this, episode number eight? Number nine. Number nine. See, I, I'm not even keeping up with our own podcast. Episode number nine. <laughs> Uh, as we're uh, unpacking our unhelpful phrases in Christianese, and I've been very encouraged by the the, the, the response we've been getting from a, a number of these. Uh, and I want to also give a shout out, uh, because we need to occasionally, to the Society of Reform Podcasters, of which Assurance of Pardon is a member. And so uh, if you are interested in other podcasts like this one, if you like our podcast and want to check out others, go to Reform Podcasts. Dot com. Is that, is that the right? Isn't that yes. the right? Yeah. Plural reformpodcast.com. You'll, you'll find steady anchor and Bobcast and distilling theology and reformed uh, pilgrims and all sorts of other great podcasts and, and great content. Those, those guys work really hard to produce solid reform podcasts. And, and they're also, um, as we get to know them, they're, they're just really good people. So, uh, shout out to those guys and, and shout out to everybody that has um, joined us or, or, or kind of jumped on the bandwagon of listening to Assurance of Pardon since we've been a part of um, the Society of Reform podcast. You know, this last week we surpassed 5,000 downloads. We've only been doing this since uh, the first of the year. Uh, so that's that's crazy in our minds that we have that many people interested uh, in our content. And then I started doing some research, 2,500 of those downloads came in the, in the last 30 days. So since we've joined, um, the society of reform podcasters, we've gained, um, several listeners who have gone back and listened to previous episodes and, and engaged with our content. And we've gotten uh, wonderful feedback from new listeners and folks that are resonating, even with this series, you know, it's, it's always fun. Every episode resonates with uh, different people. It seems like they'll be like, Oh, I'm really excited about this one. Or yeah, absolutely. Or they'll, you know, agree or say some sort of comment about, yeah, I, I grew up with that phrase or yeah, I've heard that my entire life or absolutely that's problematic. And we appreciate what you guys are doing. So we're, we're thankful for, for all of our listeners and, and we always, always, always enjoy hearing from you guys. Yeah, I've been I've run into several people who say, "Hey, thank you for talking about this phrase. Why don't you do Why don't you do this one? Why don't you do this one?" And we've had a number of folks give us phrases they'd like, and uh, quite often I, I've been able to say, "Oh, that's the one we're doing next week," uh, uh, or "We already did that one. You didn't catch it? Go back and find it." Uh, so it, it, it's been it's been super encouraging. Well, well, this week we're going to deal with a phrase and sort of. Um, it's not just a phrase. I would say it is a, a just a general mood in evangelicalism, a general 
mood or take on what the Christian life means. And it comes in different forms. One of them, maybe when you came to faith in Christ, you heard uh, God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life. <laughs> Especially if you graduated high school. Like if you, if you haven't graduated high school yet, apparently God doesn't have a wonderful plan for your life. But um, if you have graduated or plan on graduating, um, he knows the plans that he has for you and, and, and those are wonderful plans for your life. Um, you know, there, there's also a, a sister phrase in this kind of, kind of like we did with our first episode is just the, the general idea of being in the will of God, right? I'm, I'm trying to discern God's will or I want to be in the center of God's will. Oftentimes God's will in this particular case is talked talked about in proximity, right? Like, I'm either in the center of God's will or I'm out of God's will or I'm trying to discern God's will. Like, like God's will is, is uh, a where is Waldo booklet. And I've got to try to God is playing the three shell game with his will and mixing it up. And you've got to always this one. Oh man. Uh, that God is playing three card Monty with his will. Yes. Uh, I, I gauge, I have, uh, I, I, this is one I, I, you interact with all the time, especially among. Uh, this is um, this is not a hypothetical. If you are a youth, if you are in high school, and you are trying to figure out what life holds next for you, um, yes, you will often hear this. And I, I, I remember a few years ago, I was uh, a place I was working. There was a young girl that was a high school student, and. Uh, it, it may have been something I saw that she posted on Facebook, but it was, she said, all of her posts were saying, um, trying to discern God's will in my life. Really one of them will. First of all, that's, we want to be very careful to throw anybody under, under the bus on this. It is good and right to want to, want to have a little right. pleasing to Jesus. It is good and right to want to make wise choices It is good and right commendable uh noble and beautiful that one would want mm -hmm. to um do the will of god yes and i would even argue at some level this this phrase is is tricky because it in a sense they get this phrase from the bible right like um ephesians chapter i think it's chapter four i'm looking it up now um Ephesians, Paul talks about try to discern the will of the Lord. That's like, like an, an imperative that he, he gives the people. And I, the way I've always kind of read that is that's encouragement to me that, that, you know, 13 letters of the New Testament, and depending on where you land on Hebrews, Paul, um, who wrote the New Testament, was inspired by the Holy Spirit, did three missionary journeys, he tells you try to discern the will of the Lord. So even even Paul is is trying to figure it out himself. Um, but I think this is one of those phrases where they take biblical language and they do really something really funky with it. Would you agree with that, Scott? Uh, well, I would. And and every time I've ever talked to a Christian who says I'm trying to discern God's will for my life, uh, and I'll say in in what way, and they will say. I'm trying to, I've got some job decisions I need to make. And I'll say, what are you trying to decide? And this young person will say, I can't decide if I should be a registered nurse or a kindergarten teacher. 
or mm-hmm. a man may say, I can't decide if I want to be an architect or a mechanical engineer. Um, and I've never had somebody, when I say, what are you struggling with? Where they say, well, I'm really praying and seeking the Lord here because I can't decide if I want to be a kindergarten teacher or have a meth lab. <laughs> I, I've never had somebody say, I can't decide if I want to be a, a Sunday school teacher or if I want to sell drugs to school children. All right. Does right. the Lord want me to be Walter White? I don't know. Right. Yeah. The, 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 Every time I hear somebody who is who is seriously, earnestly trying to discern God's desire for their life, they are trying to decide between two perfectly virtuous and morally neutral, non-problematic things. Um, God, the Bible does say that God has a will for our life in some sense, but it doesn't say he's going to publish it for us. He doesn't say right. he's going to tell us what it is. Anything yep. we infallibly need to know for our good is given to us in scripture. There right. is. Um, so all of this stems from, uh, uh, so to the person who says, I can't decide I want to be a kindergarten teacher or a registered nurse. My answer would be whatever you want. Do either one of those are both perfectly okay things. God is not in heaven wringing his hands, worried that you're going to choose to be a kindergarten teacher when he really needed you to be a registered right. nurse. Uh, right. it, it doesn't work that way. I think of the, the the car insurance commercial where the lady doesn't understand Facebook or Candy Crush and her friends have to say, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> um, the, yes. the God, God is not playing the three shell game with your will. You are not... Um, you are not going to get to heaven and God says, well done, good, and almost faithful servant. <laughs> you were a kindergarten teacher and you loved, you loved Jesus and you shared the gospel with your neighbors and you uh, were active in your local church. But I really needed you to move to Toledo in 1987 and, <laughs> uh, and do this. Right. And, right. and yes, I realize you served you. I realized that you were saved. You were growing in sanctification. You were, suffering for the sake of the gospel you were serving, but I really need you to be here and not there. It, it's yeah. just God's will for your life is not that tedious and tenuous as mm. it relates to uh, Christians who are, uh, who are, who want to please God. Then right. do what, do whatever you would like to do, do whatever you like to do. If it is not a sinful thing. And if you, if it's going to keep you, plugged into a local body of believers uh, and, and growing in your faith. Yeah. Quick, uh, quick clarifier. It's actually um, Ephesians chapter five. It, it started starting in verse, verse eight towards the end of kind of middle of, of verse eight. It says, walk as children of the light verse nine for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And then verse 10 and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So actually, you know, it that goes right along with with what you're talking about. Is is it's not the game of life where you're taking one step forward and then you draw a, a metaphorical life card and you're taking three steps back and you somehow placed yourself outside the will of the Lord. Um, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people who they hear this weight and maybe maybe it isn't something as, as big as. I'm trying to decide what college to go to 
or I'm trying to decide if I need to change career paths or, or whatever. And I need, I want to be in the will of the Lord. Um, maybe it's, you know, they, they think about God's presence in their life in terms of proximity. Right. And I, I've had this conversation with, with friends a lot of times. Uh, and here's what I mean by that. You know, they'll say, I just feel like I'm really far away from the Lord, or I feel like the Lord is, is really far away, or I've gotten, I've gotten so far away from, from God. And I, and I understand what they mean to be fair. Right. I don't want to be so nitpicky that they have, they have to use the exact right language. I know what they're talking about when they say this, just like we know what people are talking about when they say, I'm just trying to discern the will of the Lord. We understand what you're, what you mean, but that's not how God works. God is sovereign. He is omnipresent. And if he's omnipresent, that there, there isn't a place in all of the universe by which you can't be right. Like the psalmist says, you know, I could go to the highest mountaintop and you were there. I could go to the depths of Sheol and you're, you're there. Right. Um, so in that particular moment, I want to free people because they, they think I could possibly do something or, or make, make the un- unpardonable sin or make, I could wreck this. I could wreck this thing. Yeah. I could take, I take, I could take us off the interstate and off the road into a ditch so bad that the Lord would realize his investment and leave me. Right. Or I could do something so bad that I, I am way over here and God is way over in the other direction. And so they'll use discerning the will of the Lord in the same way. If God is all sovereign, then in some sense, there's not a decision that you can make that is, there may be, you can make an unwise decision, right? You could at, at some level make a bad decision, you know, like that's, that was a poor decision. That was a bad decision. That was an unwise decision, but you can't make a decision that is outside of the will of the Lord. You can't make a decision that God goes, well, I didn't see that one coming. Yeah, wow. what do, we do now? Yeah, I, I, I gave I gave Scott all these options, and he took the nuclear one. Oh gosh, okay, we gotta we gotta back it up and 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 duct tape this together, right? Mm-hmm. And that that's when we talk about this idea of will um, and trying to figure out what God wants me to do with my life. The thing He wants you to do with His life, you ready for this? It's it's going to be earth shattering, Scott, to glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and you've got to say if if it is this tedious, if God's will is this incredibly difficult thing that I've always got to be discerning at every single fork of the road, then you have to go. Then what do verses like "He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it"? What what does that even mean then? If it's possible for me with one wrong move to completely take my life off track or that God is the author and the finisher of my faith. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. The author and the finisher, that means he starts it and that means he finishes it. Right. He, yep. uh, that he who began a good work and you'll be faithful to complete it. Uh, it we, it, and so much of this gauge, I think stems from um, the idea of what the Holy spirit actually does in our life. There's a view out there that the Holy Spirit is kind of like a parrot who sits on my shoulder and gives me advice throughout the day. <laughs> like there's an episode of The Simpsons and you've got good Homer and bad Homer. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that and that the Holy Spirit is is constantly telling me every move or and I've got to listen and really, really closely. And so it's just a misunderstanding of what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is telling me what parking space to get at the mall and all of those things, rather than the Holy Spirit's job is to convince my sinful heart that Jesus is enough, is to convict me of my sin and help me cling to Christ for faith, uh, for faith. Right. That's the, that's the role of the Holy Spirit is to, is to point to the finished work of Christ. That's, yeah. that's what the spirit does. I wish I do wish the spirit would tell me where to park in the mall though. That would, you know, I see that parking spot. I see that hand all across the room. I, I received, I received that for that front front row parking spot, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, um, so, uh, you know, there was, a, there was a book that came out, came out in the, in the late eighties, early nineties. that was really popular among evangelicals, uh, by Henry Blackaby called experiencing God. Yep. In which, and it, it rocked the evangelical world and in it, Blackaby, I, I think wrongly makes the case that the, um, and I want to be careful here, but uh, essentially says that the way in which the, the Apostle Paul and the writers of the Bible had an ongoing dialogue with God all the time, that we can have that in that same sense as well. Uh, and we need to pursue that when in reality, um, we're not apostles and we're not prophets. Right. Um, and so we, uh, um, we, 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 cannot expect that we're going to have the same exact experience that the apostle Paul who had the risen Christ appear to him on the road to Damascus Mm -hmm. um, and whom God used to write half of the new Testament or more. Um, I I should expect that to be normative in the life of every Christian. Um, But that sort of idea has just so infiltrated evangelicalism that it, 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 Rather than being liberating, it's paralyzing. It's right. Paralyzing. And it, and it causes me to constantly question my every single move and wring my hands with worry that I'm not reading the tea leaves correctly. Well, and, you know, I think, too, one, there needs to be, um, you know, there needs to be a distinction made like you did between our relationship in the, the history of redemption to the relationship of the apostles and prophets. There is a distinction. There are, there are things that the spirit was doing and putting the scriptures together that, that we uh, now hear from the Lord by, by opening the text. Right. Um, but not only that, there also needs to be some clarification, I think in what exactly even what's happening for the apostles and prophets there. You know, um, Peter talks about how these guys wrote about things that they long to see, that they long to understand that like the Old Testament prophets, it wasn't as if God was talking to David and going, okay, David, get your pen out. You ready? The Lord is my shepherd. And David would go, okay, the Lord is my shepherd. Okay. I shall not want, I shall not want, right? Like there wasn't dictation in that sort sort of way right david was writing things in his immediate context that also at some level he could realize 
there, there's something more happening here. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. David realizes he's not all, you know, just talking about um, his kingdom there. Um, but th- the same thing with the apostles where Jesus does show up to Paul on the road um, to Damascus. And that there are times where Peter uh, receives a vision when he's dealing with Gentiles and Cornelius and things like that. But it wasn't as if that's always happening every single step of the way as they're writing their letters. Like Paul's writing to an actual church in Ephesus about real things that they're dealing with. It wasn't as if the spirit was saying, okay, then write this sentence, then write this sentence and then write this sentence. So I think it's, you know, that clarification matters, but there still is a distinction where when we talk about trying to understand what the spirit is doing, we can go one of two extremes, right? Oftentimes in in the reform world, the spirit ends up getting so dismissed that we were accused of the Holy Trinity being the the father, the son and the scriptures. Right. And we just dismiss the spirit all together. So there's a pendulum swing that, that can be made where you don't involve the spirit at all. You're not, you're not asking the spirit to show you, you know, give you some sort of insight about a decision that you need to make. Do I need to leave my job? Do I need to take this church position? Do, you know, does my family need to make a, a change and my wife be a stay at home mom or whatever? You know, there's, there's that distinction where you don't involve the spirit at all and don't, don't involve prayer and a regular discipline there. Um, but there's also the other Arminian, lack of God's sovereignty extreme where, like you said, everything is okay. Spirit, what are we doing? Okay. I hear you spirit. And you, you know, it's, it's not the spirit. It's the Taco Bell you had at lunch. You know what I mean? Like uh, it's, it's your, you know, Jonathan Edwards would talk about this at the end of the day, you're going to do the thing that you want to do the most. And you're either going to justify it in, in terms of spiritual language. Like I'm just discerning the will of the Lord. Um, or, you know, you're, you're going to just justify it in the sense of your will. This is your desire, but you're in ultimately going to do the thing you want to do the most. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, yeah, the, the way in which, the way in which um, God spoke to the prophets and the apostles is not the way in which he speaks to us. This is why in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says, For through him we have both access in one spirit to the Father, so that you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, the whole structure being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. He's talking to the church and saying that the church's foundation was built upon the, the work of the apostles and prophets and Christ himself. So the, the foundation is not the same as the rest of the building. Right. And the foundation of the apostles and prophets have had a communication with God directly. And what that means is you have the work of, of the apostles and the prophets in the scriptures. The 66 books that you, that you have called the Holy Bible. Hey, guess what? That's the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Like, it's not something secretive that you got to go try to figure out like it's a um, episode of Indiana Jones and and the the foundations of the apostles and prophets, right? But it's the scriptures. So now we have the benefit of opening the text and hearing from the Lord. Uh, so Scott, let's let's break. You know, we've we've 
I think handled discerning the will of the Lord isn't this secret language or this secret thing you've got to kind of figure out like it's a Rubik's Cube, right? But I think it's also important in this conversation, if we also want to say that the will of the Lord isn't a geographical location, I can't be in the center of the will of the Lord as opposed to left of center or just on the outer edge of the will of the Lord or out of the will of the Lord all altogether, like it's a monopoly piece, you know? Um, so let, let, let's ask this question. Let's not just, just throw stones. How do, if I'm needing to make a decision like this, and you hinted at this at the beginning of the episode, but if I'm having to make a decision like what college should I go to? Should I take this job? Should I change jobs? Should I change churches? If should, I'm, should I marry this person? Correct. All of those things, those big life decisions where you're like, man, this feels huge. This feels a lot more than just, should I change bank accounts? Um, This feels significant. And I want, I want to please the Lord with my life. How, what, what's that process look like? What's that decision making process look like? Well, the first thing I would say is I would, and and I have, I have two thoughts. One is what, what means has God given me? In making these decisions, one he has he has given me his word, which is the the Bible is the only sufficient rule for faith and practice. So he has given me scripture. So there's nothing that I need to know for my life that, that I need to know for my salvation um, that that's not given to me in scripture. Um, that that I that is there's not this sort of other sort of quiver in the liver that I've got to discern a certain way that um that i need to know the other thing is that god has given me wise counselors in the church he's given me the role of of fellow believers there's a wisdom and a multitude of counselors he's given me uh elders who uh the bible says are shepherds and overseers of my soul and so he's given me relationships in the church to think through and talk through these things it is not left entirely to me and my own discerning. If it is a large, huge decision, I don't need to think through that by myself. I need to seek godly counsel from other people whom God has placed in my life, namely through the local church that I'm actively a part of. Because God has, we talked about this on the, I just have got my Bible and Jesus, I don't need anything else. Well, that's not what the Bible and Jesus says is all you have. Jesus has given you his body, the church, because you need it. And so, um, so the first thing I would say is that we make those, we make those hard decisions. We make them with godly counsel, not, not just through us seeking, putting out a fleece or the still small voice or other ways. The second thing I would point out that the reason that we so often think that we want to know infallibly God's will is sometimes we think if I can at every fork in the road take the right turn, then I'll know that I've done that because my life will be without conflict, Mm. will be without problems. Right. God's will is a combination lock and and it's constantly placed in front of me like Indiana Jones when he's trying to, to, to weigh the statue with a bag of sand. Uh, and if I get it right, it's good. If not, all the arrows and the big giant rolling ball mows me down. 
that's that's unfortunately the view we have that if I if I get it right every time, if I get it right most of the time, my life will be my life will be problem free. And if I'm experiencing trouble, if I'm experiencing difficulty, I must have made a bad step somewhere. Mm. But that's essentially a prosperity gospel. Yes. Another we talk about that is a mild form of the prosperity gospel that says that, you know, the capital P prosperity gospel says I'll be rich and I'll be, I'll be healthy all the time. Everybody it's, that one's an easy one to, to, to to disassemble and to to shoot down. Right. Milder prosperity gospel is I'll just be happy and problem free. My best life now. I'll have my best life now. And, And that's a prosperity gospel as well, because, Hey, the, the only person who 24 seven was at the center of God's will every moment of his life was nailed to a cross. Right. Had all of his friends abandoned him and was nailed to a cross and he experienced the worst torture and then said to us, you as my disciples, you also are going to suffer because mm-hmm. of the connection to me. So they did. They invited like when he called them to follow him from that point on, the son of man had nowhere to lay his head. That means they were homeless majority of the time, you know, um, they then spent after Jesus is crucified, resurrected and ascended. The Fox's book of martyrs and church tradition tell us that the majority of those guys were crucified upside down, beheaded, thrown off of uh, a temple, Sorry. boiled alive, you know, like all of those things for being in the will of God, right? For discerning the will of God correctly. You know, they were beaten and imprisoned and shipwrecked and all of those things. You know, talk to Elizabeth Elliot and ask her about discerning the will of the Lord, meaning they were supposed to be foreign missionaries. And Jim Elliot gets killed. I mean, they, they didn't get on the ground good in the mission field and he's killed, Right. Um, you know, there's tons of stories like that where we can we can look and see um, time and time again the the Lord calling people to suffering, uh, calling people to persecution, you know, calling people to a life of obedience um, in the gospel that leads to not their best life now, that leads <laughs> to actually them longing for heaven and longing for relief. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Amen. So, so we we've we've got to be very clear. Um, God's will, it, knowing God's will, does not mean that we're going to not suffer. It might mean that we will suffer. Um, quite often, we will. I, I want to before we go any further, and I know we're going to wrap up pretty soon. A resource that um, I want everybody to read that will do a better job of answering this question than we've done is a small little book written by Kevin DeYoung called Just Do Something. Just Do Something. I've bought Amen. numerous copies of that and handed them out to friends. It is, uh, in fact, the, the, the young girl I was talking about at the beginning of the episode who was trying to discern God's will and was just nervous that she was going to make one wrong move. I gave her a copy of that book, and she just said, wow, this, this is very liberating. This is very liberating to hear that I'm not, I'm not on it. This is not a tightrope walk. This is not a tightrope walk where one wrong move and I'm going to fall and there's no net. But that I'm, 
I am safely held by Christ. Mm-hmm. Not a hair is going to fall from my head apart from the will of my heavenly father. Yes. 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 So, yes. Yeah. And, and I would also, you know, I love that. I'm so glad you said that. I was going to mention that book if you didn't. Um, I would also commend to you once you get done reading, just do something, turn around and read another small booklet of his called crazy busy. Cause I think a lot of times we load our lives up with a lot of activity, trying to discern the will of the Lord and think, well, the, the Lord wants me to be really busy. Um, and then some of what he talks about there about time management, even in, in living this Christian life was, was, it was a phenomenal paradigm shift changing book for me. So we'll put that one in the show notes as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I, sometimes I, sometimes the resources that we point people towards uh, are just kind of one spoke in the wheel where we can say, hey, this may have a couple helpful things to say. But when it comes to the book, just do something without a doubt. It's it's a quick read. It's a very small book. And and he does such a wonderful, wonderful uh, job of of answering this. And so I would commend everybody to 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 read it. Absolutely. The audio looks like two hours long to listen to it. It's very brief. And um, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think that's a good place for us to stop. Um, As always, guys, we we appreciate all your support. We'd love for you to continue to share the podcast, leave reviews uh, wherever you listen to your podcast so it can continue to kind of get out there and and that people can, can see it as a reference. Uh, and if you haven't already, be sure and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and visit our website and, and communicate with us. We'd love to hear from you either through the message on the website or, or through the social media platforms or even e- email um, at contact at assuranceofpardon.com. And as always, this is Assurance of Pardon. God bless.